Welcome to another installment of Cracking Open, the podcast brought to you by the Sage Circle. In this series, I interview Sage Circle members to find out about their intuitive journey and development. Today's guest is one of our very own team members, Stacy. Stacy shares with us how her intuition opened from a young age and also how her development helped her to gain patience. Let's jump into Cracking Open. This podcast is brought to you by the Sage Method, the most comprehensive and down-to-earth intuitive development training available. Is this your year? Is it finally your time to increase your intuition, bring in more abundance, and experience the bliss you deserve? If yes, then join thousands of students across the world for a seven-week journey to uncover your natural, beautiful, and strong intuition. Visit us at thesagemethod.com for more information. Welcome back to another episode of Cracking Open. Today, I have a, a little bit of a special guest. We have Stacy. Stacy is uh, a team member with the Sage Method. She's an important team member. All those Sage Circle people out there listening to this know exactly who Stacy is, <laughs> and she is a vital part of our team. But Stacy also has been training with me as a student for how long, Stacy? Oh man, we started back like years. I mean, I took the Sage Method, I think six years ago, but then I'm doing the practitioner course and it's been since October. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so awesome to have you. Um, I know your background. So today you're going to share it with the listeners. <laughs> so tell everybody a little bit about um, your intuition opening and how that, how that flowed for you. Oh man. So my intuition opening, um, I, yeah, I mean, it started when I was about 13, um, actually before then, but I had my first deck of tarot cards, uh, given gifted to me by my mom, um, who had gone to Salem mass that day. So a little history there, which I think is kind of cool. Um, she brought me home a deck of tarot cards and I started reading, um, at that point moving forward. Um, and, I never realized it until I actually took the sage method that I was actually tapping in intuitively to the cards and that I was, I, I lost the book. I was 13. So I lost the book within like a day because that's what 13 year olds do. Um, so I, I just kept using the cards and would read for random people and um, kind of just tinkered in it a little bit until I took the sage method when I was in my late twenties, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it was five years ago. That would be my late twenties. So. Yeah. Nice. So can you recall and share with all of us, um, one or maybe even two really powerful experiences that you had that kind of stopped you in your tracks? So when I was probably 15 or 16, I think the first experience that I, that I really have gone back and reviewed many times, um, I, I used to be very afraid of the dark. Um, because I, I, in so many ways was always kind of a beacon for, um, deceased souls and I didn't understand what was happening. So I remember one particular night waking up in the middle of the night and actually looking out my window because I was on the corner of the house and I was surrounded by people, um, surrounded by people who were not actually there, but I could feel them and see them. Mm -hmm. And moving forward, I shut everything down. I wouldn't, I was terrified. I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't understand why it was happening. Um, and it, that was kind of a mix of not just that experience, but like 
it built on other experiences that I have of like baby dolls talking, waking up in the middle of the night to just really weird things and not having the capability or the capacity to understand, you know, what was, what was actually happening and un unfolding. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to another like beautiful experience that I had after I took the SAGE method when I was sitting and folding laundry and I looked up and I saw my, my spirit guide. Um, you know, and I understood by way of feeling the love that the spirit guide kind of came through with that that was what I was experiencing in that moment. So I think those two are very different. They felt very different, um, but they kind of built on each other. And, and over time, having the ability to understand and process through what was going on has been very helpful for me. I will say the first time that I saw um, a deceased soul that was not my grandmother, because I saw her first. First time I saw others, I was in a grocery store and I ran out of a grocery store. Here's my point. I was a grown adult. I can't fathom how that would be for a 15 year old. I honestly, it's, it's so interesting because even talking about it now gives me chills because I still go back and question, did that even happen? But I know it did. And it was almost like I was just so open at that point in time that these lost souls were like, we'll go to her, she'll help us. But I had no idea how to, how to help in any way. Exactly. So then moving forward in your late twenties, you take the SAGE method. Yes. You got stuck with me. Yep. I can't, yeah, that's, <laughs> we've been inseparable ever since. Um, so you take the SAGE method and we actually kind of, both of us sort of, we didn't part ways or anything, but we were both living our lives and then we kind of come back around together. Um, and it was Thanks, actually Peter. my guide that said, yeah, it was my guide that said, call Stacy. And I was like, oh, okay. And this was a couple of years after the SAGE method. Mm -hmm. And I called you and you've been working with the team ever since. Now, I also, um, I feel like I'm setting you up here, <laughs> but I do know that you actively do crossing over work currently. Yes. Now, yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so the crossing over work, I feel like is, is a kind of, um, I don't want to say minor part of what I end up practicing, but I kind of cross over wherever I am. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting because I find that souls will even stumble into my living room and I'm like, what are you doing here? Um, and so I, I, you know, kind of help them process through and cross over and it has become very easy and not scary at all, which I think is, is if, if I was to give a message right now, it would be like, it's really not scary. It's really like you look up and all of a sudden you feel this energy around you. And it's like, you know, your uncle, uncle Bob showing up and it's like, just, just go that way, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I would say, uh, when you say large percentage, large percentage, it's not a bad thing. And tell me the, um, how you balance in such a way that it is a not it, that it's not a bad thing when it does happen on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I, I, it, it sounds so simple, but I choose happiness. So, you know, my balance is the choice to um, make sure that I'm living each day to the fullest in whatever way, shape or form that means, no matter what I'm doing. So it's, it's for me, it's the choice of, I can choose to be scared, but what good would that do me? Um, whereas whenever I look at those that I, that I help cross over, I look at them as beautiful spirits that just are a little confused. And I mean, that's, that's how I, I work with people in my day to day, you know, that's, that's how I work in both 
in, in intuitively and in my full-time job, it's, you know, these, these people, these souls that I'm working with are, you know, maybe a little confused and they just need some guidance. And so my, my balance is looking at everything with love and, you know, beauty and, and happiness and just kind of helping people find that, you know, that way. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it makes total sense. And so I can, I almost can feel the listener going, okay, well, but <laughs> what happens if you do run into a negative spiritual situation? What do you do? I love it. I love it. Um, and, and I realized, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting because I realized that that question, it, it, it makes total sense because, you know, things can be scary. Absolutely. I breathe in the moment and I, and I establish that I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid right now. And then I kind of look into inward, you know, and, and this, I, you know, this is very much so a lot of my shadow work is, has been based, based in fear. Um, I didn't want to see things for the longest time because I was terrified. Um, so I had to do a lot of work on that and go, okay, how am I going to process through? And I actually utilized a meditation in which I would envision my fear as like an oily substance and I would add sand to it so I could sweep it up. And whenever I started processing through the fear, I was able to see that under fear, under anger, under all of those, I'm going to say low vibe or negative emotions, there is, there is something bigger that's going on. So I choose instead to not focus on the bad, but look at the bad with the good and bring more attention. Like it's, it's when you're in a tunnel and the tunnel is dark and you're walking in the tunnel, you can always see the other end. So when I encounter any sort of fear-based or negative negativity-based energy, I look at it with love and I choose to step into that vibration with the highest good intentions. That is a beautiful way to explain it. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a shift in your focus. Mm -hmm. It's fear is almost as if fear pulls your focus quickly to the left mm -hmm. and you go, ah, oh, I just got pulled to the left. I'm going to change my focus. I'm going to turn it in a different direction by acknowledging it and by allowing that fear to kind of process through, because yep. if I just shove the fear down, <laughs> then it's going to build. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now you've been with the sage method for a long time <laughs> and, and a huge part of the team, but for yourself personally, can you talk a little bit about how you integrate your intuition on a day-to-day -day basis now? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, I think if you were to have asked me this question six months ago, I would have been like, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but as I've grown and my intuition has kind of built over time, um, I have learned that when I work with people, even in my full-time job, I am tapping in more often than I'm not. Um, the majority of the time I, I manage to find the right words to say to somebody in whatever space they're in that they need, even if I don't necessarily even if I wouldn't necessarily choose those words, I'm able to find what the person needs to hear to send them in the right direction on their life path. Um, and I didn't realize it until probably three or four months ago. Okay. And that, that I'm so glad you said that. I'm glad that you said about six months ago, you wouldn't know three, four months ago. I think that it's very common for someone to see an established intuitive like yourself and think that you just came out that way 
you know, that it's just always been that way for yeah. you. And I, I know I've had that happen where I've had to stop and say, oh no, I, I floundered for the first couple of years and I, I barely could do this, you know, five years yes. ago. And yeah. it's, so can you talk a little bit about the growth part of it? Absolutely. Um, I think the first thing that I'll say is, is my intuitive development has taken over 20 years. I mean, realistically, and even before then, you know, I can look back to instances as a child that I was, you know, you know, maybe tapping into my intuitive flow and not realizing it. Um, you know, just a small example is I have, I have two developmentally disabled sisters. Um, my younger sister, I shared a room with, and she would have seizures and I would always wake up when she had a seizure. She didn't make noise. She didn't do anything. There was nothing abnormal, but I would always wake up. So I shared a room with her for a very long time. And looking back at that, I can see all of these little pebbles that were kind of like, hey, attention here, attention here. Um, I would say, though, in the past three to six months, whenever I truly started practicing and actually being um, part of my team, that is when things really took off. Uh, but it took me uh, learning how to not ask closed-ended questions or selfish questions in a way for things to really expand. Um, when I took the SAGE method the first time, I was convinced that I was going to have all of the answers that I ever wanted. Uh, when am I going to buy a house? When am I going to buy a car? Uh, when am I going to have, you, when am I, when am I, when am I, when am I, what am I, should I, you know, all of these questions. And it's, it's a common thing that, that I see is, is, uh, a lot of individuals assume that whenever you can tap in, you can have all of these mundane questions answered. But the reality is, is our guides don't care. <laughs> like they care, but they don't care because they're like, it's going to happen. Just be patient. And when I figured that out and started asking the more important questions, it's when things really started opening up for me. And, you know, my more important questions are, um, what do I need to do to be better? How can I be a better part of the team? Um, you know, when I say I choose happiness, I choose happiness in all areas. So what do I need to do to continue on my path of happiness? Right. And defining team, um, what you're talking about, especially for maybe some of the newer listeners, your team is your team of guides. Yes. That are that are working with you. Um, All million of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite question that I I'm laughing because I can remember being there too. I can remember the first year meeting my first guide, and then literally the night before writing on a piece of paper all the questions. How long are we going to live here? Are both my boys going to get married? How, what are they going to do for a living? Like, I wanted to know everything. And yeah. I walked out there and had my paper. And his answer was, that's a stupid question. And that yes. was how I had to learn the hard way. But now my favorite question is, what is it you want me to know? And what I hear from you is expressing stepping into being a part of the team. I guess that's what I really want to emphasize with what yes. you've said. Yes. Being a part of the team and not trying to lead it. Um, because we, it's, it's, I think it's a truly human, um, behavior where we step into the need to, um, and I'm going to use the word control and it's, it's a word that I, that I typically prefer not to use, but as humans, we prefer to control everything that we, we have in our environment. And it's learning that it, it doesn't, it, it's not going to work and they're going to go, okay, good. Like, that's nice. Like you're cute. I like you. You're cute. Um, why don't you just continue on and we'll be here as a buffer for you? <laughs> yeah. 
when you figure that out. And so then everything fast forwards. Um, I do want to ask this because sometimes when you are, um, you're being that you're a team member, sometimes people, um, can, can see you that way, but you're also a Sage Circle member. I am. Yep. So as a circle member, taking yourself out of the professional link here with the Sage method, what tools raise your vibration specifically for you? Cause they're different for everyone. So I will say that GCP has, has been helpful. And I know that that's a very typical answer. I find personally to raise my vibration, it's the conversations. You know, I love when people ask questions. I love um, even just, you know, from a, my, in my personal time going in and answering anything that, that is a curiosity because that allows me to not only raise my vibration, but I would say the majority of the time when I'm taking the time to answer, I'm actually like going into the flow to answer questions because, um, sometimes I'll answer them a little differently than, than I expect. Like I go in and I'm like, I know this. And then it shifts because it shifts because it's supposed to, you know? Exactly. And what do you do to feed your core personally? I hike. Yeah. I hike. I spend, you know, um, my husband and I, um, our goal is to tackle the 48, 4,000 footers in, in New Hampshire. We don't have a timeline. Um, we, we are going to get started as soon as the white mountains are clear enough and the paths are not super crazy muddy because that's where I want to spend the time is in the mountains in nature. And it, it fills me up. Nice. And nice. training. I mean, I love training people, personal training. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what would be some advice that you would give somebody on their spiritual path? Perhaps somebody that's just starting out. Oh man, I will give the piece of advice that makes everybody the most angry actually. And that is to simply allow and be patient. Um, <laughs> we try to rush into our intuitive journeys and it's by trying to force everything to happen all at once. We um, don't allow the beauty of everything to unfold. And I would say truly when we allow everything to unfold naturally, that's where we are able to step into an intuitive flow in such a way that it feels like a part of who we are, not a part of what we created. And I think that the distinction is really important. It's who we are, not, not something that we're making happen. Um, so patience, I think, I think would be what I would, what I would definitely offer every, would any, anybody, anybody, even, you know, this far in my journey, sometimes I'm like, I just want it this way. And then I have to step back and go, okay, no, it's not supposed to be that way right now. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Patience is a kicker, isn't it? It is. And it makes and me right. so angry. <laughs> I know. And there's so many people listening going, oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the one, the one piece of advice that I always hated, but it's also the one that is the most helpful because where, where you are on your journey is truly where you're supposed to be on your journey and forcing things to move faster is only going to frustrate you. Exactly. Exactly. That is awesome. Well, do you have any uh, last thoughts for the listeners or um, anything that you would love to convey? Um, I would say if I was to con convey anything, it would be to just enjoy the ride truly. And choose happiness. Yeah. And always choose happiness. I love that. I love the shift. Mm -hmm. 
see it, feel it, and then choose happiness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is good stuff. Well, thank you for coming on here with me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm telling you, you are a beloved team member. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Thank you.